Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Let's dive in, all right? So as I said, we're beginning this series called Love Song Lies. We did this series a couple of years ago. Um, And on the surface, this series maybe kind of looks like uh, just a gimmick to get people to come to church and unashamedly, yes, we hope that you invite your friends and that you go, what in the world is this? But the reality is that it gives us the opportunity to really uncover some, some deep truths and some lies that are really entrenched in our culture and to help to defend against those and help us to embrace the truths of God's word. So I'm really excited about where we're heading today. So let's, let's go, go ahead and get into it. Um, as I said, this is the 1970 Van Morrison classic, Crazy Love. Uh, it's actually one of my favorite songs. I love this song. I have ever since I was a kid. It's just got a great melody, and it's really soulful and bluesy, and uh, it's really well written. It just kind of gets you in the feels. It's just one of those songs, right? Every time I hear it on the radio, I turn it up, and I love this song. Um, but the there are some claims that this song makes about love that just don't hold up under scrutiny. <coughs> it doesn't hold up under the scrutiny of God's Word, and really, it doesn't even hold up under the scrutiny of our lived-in experience. In fact, the misconceptions that this song puts forward about love, and really that our culture holds true about love, or holds up as virtuous, have led to some really destructive things in our culture, in our families, in our lives as individuals. And there are three lies in particular that I want to expose this morning. And kind of what we'll do is we'll, move, we'll go through all of the lies and then we'll talk about the truth that God's word holds against those. Is that all right? So let me pray over us and then we'll dive right in. God, thank you for your word that does not return void. And thank you for your work in us from the moment that your Holy Spirit first calls us. And our hearts respond to you. From that moment, you begin exposing the lies that we have believed, that we have embraced, and that have marked our lives. And you begin to replace them with your truth. Your promise is that you who began this good work in us will be faithful to complete it. And that we are being transformed from glory to glory into the likeness of Jesus. And so Lord, as we open your word today, we are confident that you will continue that work. And we, Lord, in this moment say we are surrendered and submitted to that process. God, have your way in us. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, Amen. All right, we're going to do this real quick, okay? So verse number one of this song, Van Morrison said this, I can hear her heartbeat from a thousand miles. He's got great ears. Um, And the heavens open every time she smiles. When I come to her, that's where I belong. Yeah, I'm running to her like a river song. The The lie that Van Morrison is telling in this verse is simply this. Romantic love will satisfy me. Romantic love will satisfy me. That's the empty promise that our culture holds up to us as true about romantic love. And and really, this is a a lie that pervades all kinds of things in our culture. I mean, we tell this lie about the most trivial things like uh, kitchen cleaners and mops. Right? You watch a commercial and they go, 
This mop that you used to have is destroying your life. But if you buy this mop, presto, all of your worries are gone. Your floors are magically clean. You don't even have to get your hands wet. You just wring it out like that. It's, it's heaven. Right? Or cars. Car commercials are the worst. Right? This trunk space will transform your life. And we laugh because when we put it in that context, it's easy for us to see that it's a lie. But when we talk about relationships, it gets a little hazy. It gets a little foggy. And we fall into the trap of believing that romantic love can satisfy the longings of my soul. That there is a person out there, and if I could just find that person, or maybe you even have someone already in mind, and you're going, if I could just be with him, or if I could just be with her, then I would be satisfied. If I just had someone to love, I wouldn't be lonely. I read a story this week about a young woman. She was a follower of Christ. She was a Christian, and she married a Christian young man. But she said, I went into marriage thinking that it would cure my loneliness. But the problem was she married a man whose job took him away from home about 50% of the time. And so she said, when he was at home, my, my loneliness would dissipate somewhat. I, I had companionship, but when he was away for work, not only did I experience those feelings of loneliness again, it actually only intensified those feelings because we were separated. So the thing that she thought was going to satisfy her, that was going to cure her loneliness, actually only served in some ways to intensify that feeling, to bring the problem to the surface and reveal the fact that she had believed a lie, that romantic love, that relationship between a man and a woman could somehow satisfy the deep longings of her soul. Now, I do want to stop here and make sure that you understand I'm not in any way suggesting that we shouldn't be satisfied with someone, right? I have an amazing wife who I am so grateful for, who God granted me as a gift. She is a treasure to me. But if I believed that it was her responsibility to satisfy the deep longing of my soul, I would set myself up for disappointment and I would set her up for being crushed under the weight of that. Because that's not a, a place that any human being was ever intended to occupy. They can't satisfy the longing of your soul. You know, I can't satisfy the deepest longings of her soul. Only Jesus can do that. In fact, Psalm 111 verse 5 tells us this. He, talking about the Lord, satisfies all who love and trust him. And he keeps every promise he makes. So when we go into relationship believing that it's going to satisfy us, we come up empty. And then lie number two. He tells a lie in every verse, by the way. Um, 
Line number two, in verse number two, he says, she's got a fine sense of humor when I'm feeling low down. And when I come to her, when the sun goes down, take away my trouble, take away my grief, take away my heartache in the night like a thief. So this is lie number two. Romantic love will fix my brokenness. Romantic love will fix my brokenness. Uh, how many of you remember the movie Jerry Maguire? So if you're not familiar with the movie, uh, some of you are, probably weren't born when that movie came out, which makes me feel really old. But uh, if you're not familiar with the movie, it's standard rom-com stuff, right? So uh, they meet cute, and then uh, there's, they fall in love, and then there's conflict, something that separates them. And then the guy or the girl realize that they just can't live life without that other person. And then they get back together, and everybody goes, oh, right? Um, now, objectively, if you step back from any rom-com, honestly, and you look at it with an objective eye, you go, these two people should never, ever be together. But in Hollywood dreamland, uh, they end up back together. And so in Jerry Maguire, that's what happens, right? Just rom-com 101, you can write the script for yourself. They come in at the end of the movie, Tom Cruise realizes that he has made the biggest mistake of his life and that he just can't live without Renee Zellweger. And he comes bursting through the door and what does he say? Yes! You complete me. And that is the lie that says that romantic love will fix our brokenness. Here's the reality, though. How many of you married? Keep your hands up. How many of you, your experience in marriage has been that rather than filling in all of the gaps that you have, marriage has served in many ways just to expose them more fully. Yeah, I don't think any hands went down. <laughs> right? Because here's the thing. <clears throat> we can't fix each other. We can't fix each other. And this lie, actually, when you boil it down, what, what that lie says, if I believe that there is someone else who completes me, then what I am saying is that my value, my meaning, my purpose, my happiness, my destiny is determined by and dependent on another person rather than the one who created me. Sure, you might have a boyfriend or girlfriend or a husband or wife who completes all of your sentences, which I find annoying, by the way, but that's just me. But, <clears throat> but they can finish all of your sentences and, uh, you know, their personality and your personality just mesh in the right way and it feels like you're a more well-rounded person with them. You know what that means? That you're compatible. Not that they complete you. But that's, that's the lie that our culture holds up to us as true. And it diminishes 
the God who created you and the person that he created you to be. See, we're created in the image of God, and we have value and worth and significance because our creator has instilled it in us. And while I, as a husband, want to be a blessing to my wife and for her life to her experience of life to be better because I am in it. I don't want her ever to make the mistake of thinking that I am the source of that blessing. Do you do you understand the difference? When we place that kind of pressure and weight on finite beings who were never meant to carry that kind of weight, it will destroy them and it destroys relationships and we see it all the time. You see, deep inside, like if we, if we look at ourselves, like if we're honest with ourselves, like we know inside of ourselves that I can't, you, like I know I can't fix anybody else's brokenness. You know in your heart of hearts that you can't fix anybody else's brokenness. And yet, we will place that kind of expectation on someone else and then be disappointed when they can't do it. See, the brokenness that you feel and the brokenness that all of us are touched by because we live in this broken, sinful, fallen world, that brokenness can only be mended by God. That brokenness can only be mended by God. Psalm 147.3 says this, He heals the wounds of every shattered heart. He heals the wounds of every shattered heart. And then line number three, and this is the biggie, in verse number three at the end of the song, he says, When I'm returning home from so far away, she gives me some sweet love and brighten up my day. Yes, it makes me righteous. It makes me whole. It makes me mellow down into my soul. This is the third lie, that romantic love can save me. Uh, There's actually a song by Ray LaMontagne that says, I've been saved by a woman. It could be man, all right, just equal, equal billing here, right? No, but that's, that's the lie we believe. And you probably heard somebody say that from at one time or another, like, he saved my life, she saved my life. And here's the thing, God uses people, God brings people into our lives that can help to bring healing, that, that bring the gospel to bear on us, that help lead us deeper into God's truth. But we cannot make the mistake of thinking that they are the source of that healing. You see, this church can't save you. I can't save you. You can't save yourself. And there's not another person who can save you. That is a work that only God accomplishes. Acts 4 verse 12 says, There is no one else who has the power to save us, for there is only one name to whom God has given authority by which we must experience salvation, the name of Jesus. 
See, even with this song, the sad reality behind this song is that the relationship that it was written about ended. There was a woman, her name's Janet Rigsby. She was Van Morrison's wife at the time of the writing of this song. In fact, he wrote this and several other songs about her. There's this whole album called Moondance that this song came off of, and most of the songs in the album are about Janet Rigsby. But that relationship ended in divorce. Janet Rigsby was interviewed about her life with Van Morrison, and she had this to say. I would have done anything for the man who wrote those songs and who whispered in the night that they were true. I wanted more than anything to make him happy, but I just couldn't do it. The result of buying into these lies is that for some of us, we've ended up going from relationship to relationship and from partner to partner, and each time we blame the other person for the demise of the relationship, and then we ask ourselves what's wrong with us that we just can't find the right person. For others of you, your experience may look a little different. Maybe you've lived your life in a marriage or in a relationship that's one of animosity and unspoken anger and resentment toward the person that has let you down, and you feel stuck, and you feel unfulfilled, and you feel hopeless. You see, what, what, what this is, is that these lies that we believe express themselves in expectations that we come into relationships with. And because we brought those expectations with us and we've bought into the empty promises of our culture's definition of what love is and what romantic relationships should be and what another human being is capable of, we end up in disappointment and disillusionment. I read a quote this week, and I don't know who it was by, but I thought I would share it with you. It says simply this, expectations are premeditated resentment. I don't know if I would go quite that far. I would probably amend it a little bit, but I would say this for sure. Unrealistic and uncommunicated expectations are premeditated resentment. When we boil all of this down, you see what the issue really is? It's about disordered expectations. It's about disordered desire and disordered affection and disordered worship. See, because what we're really talking about is what the Bible would describe as idolatry. When anything or anyone occupies the space in our affection and devotion that only God should have. And when we come into romantic relationships with the expectation that that person can satisfy and heal and save me, we come into that relationship putting that person into the place that only God is intended to occupy. We are placing faith and trust and devotion and worship in a place that it was never intended to be. And the end result is that we end up resentful and bitter and the other person ends up feeling overwhelmed and helpless and insignificant because they just 
can't meet the needs of your soul. Relationships, God created them and they are intended to be a blessing for us. In fact, in the very beginning, in the first thing in all of Scripture that God says is not good is for man to be alone. God's intent for you and for me is for us to have healthy, God-honoring, Christ-honoring relationships that are filled with joy. But relationships like that only occur when our affections are ordered correctly. And when we recognize that God is the source of every blessing, including this person that he is allowing me to share my story with, to share my life with, to pursue him with, to walk alongside. But when I have Christ First, chief in my affections, it allows me then to see that person for who they are. Another fallible person just like me who needs someone to encourage and pray for and pray with and walk alongside and give grace to in the same way that I need grace. And that is a relationship where people can flourish and grow together and become who God intends for them to be. But our affections have to be ordered rightly. If you have your Bible, turn over to Romans chapter 1. Romans is is Paul's theology of of the gospel. And uh, he, in the entire letter, the entire book, he takes great care to unpack Everything that kind of is happening with the gospel, what Jesus has accomplished for us. And, and in Romans chapter 1, he's talking about, um, really he's exposing some of these same lies that we're talking about today. And in verses 23 through 25, he says this, Only a fool, and by the way, no condemnation, we've all been the fool. right? No one escapes, we have all been the fool. Only a fool would trade the unfading splendor of the immortal God to worship the fading image of another human. Idols made to look like people, animals, birds, and even creeping reptiles. This is why God lifted off his restraining hand and let them have full expression of their sinful and shameful desires. They were given over to moral depravity, dishonoring their bodies by sexual perversion among themselves, all because they traded the truth of God for a lie. They worshipped and served the things God made rather than the God who made all things. Glory and praises to Him forever and ever. Amen. You see, that's really what we're talking about here is our culture's tendency and our tendency to trade the truth of God for a lie. And what Paul tells us here is that when we do that, what God does is that he removes his restraining hand and allows us to experience the full expression of that desire. So some of you are here today and you are experiencing the pain and the emptiness of broken relationship because you have bought into a lie that says that another person can satisfy your deep longings and that can fill that void and that hole that's in your soul. 
And maybe you're asking, well, why does God allow that to happen? Why does he allow us to experience that kind of pain and that kind of loss and that kind of disappointment? Paul gives us the clue here, right? He says, they worshiped and served the things God made rather than the God who made all things. And then he says, glory and praises to him Forever and ever. Amen. And so the intent that God has in lifting off his restraining hand and allowing us to experience the full measure of our choices, the inevitable breakdown of our choices, is so that in in that experience we might then turn our eyes to him and turn away from the thing that has been destroying us, that the lie might be exposed for the hollow and empty promise that it is, and that we might turn our eyes to Jesus and recognize that only he can satisfy us, that only he can heal, that only he holds what we need to fill the deepest longings of our souls. You see, there's a reason that we write these kinds of songs. There's a reason that we use this kind of language and that it resonates so deeply with us. Because deep inside all of us, we understand that there is an emptiness and a brokenness and we know, there's just a knowing inside, we know that it should be different. We know that this should not be, that there is something that is desperately wrong. And that feeling, that sense of longing, that emptiness, that brokenness that you're experiencing is God's lifting of his restraining hand so that we might experience the full expression of our desire and notice and realize and experience the empty promise that it is so we might turn our eyes to him. You see, the good news today is that this crazy love that Van Morrison was writing about, it exists. You see, there is a love that heals. There is a love that satisfies. There is a love that saves. There is a lover who can complete you. But it's not another person. It's only found in Jesus. And so we come together today to proclaim the glory of Jesus, to to extol his greatness, to remember and be reminded that he alone holds what we have need of so that we don't place unrealistic expectations on other people, that we fall desperately and hopelessly onto the grace and mercy of God, that we lay our lives at his feet And say, God, everything that I am is yours. All that I ever could hope to be, I place in your hands. I trust you. You are first in my affections. My life is yours. And I I recognize with gratitude that every good gift is from you. But you alone are the source. There's a story in the Gospels about a woman who actually believed these lies. Jesus met her at a well outside her hometown. 
And uh, she comes to draw water. It's actually in the heat of the day. Um, she's there alone. She comes at a time that she knows that none of the other women from her village will be there. Because she's shattered and she's broken. Jesus is waiting at the well. In fact, Jesus had sent his disciples on ahead and he waited intentionally. He had an appointment with her. She didn't know it. She comes to the well and uh, Jesus asks her for a drink. And not only is he a man asking a woman for a drink, which was a no-no in that day, but he's a Jewish man asking a Samaritan woman for a drink. And, uh, and she says, hey, I, I'm a Samaritan, you're a Jew, why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus says, if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me for a drink. And I would give you water. And if you drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. And they talk there. there the passage goes on. She actually kind of tries to change the subject because she doesn't really want to deal with her brokenness. And they talk for a few minutes more. And then Jesus says, hey, go, go and get your husband. She says, I don't have one. And Jesus goes, yeah, you're right, you don't. You've had five of them. And the man that you're living with now is not your husband. And they talk some more. And Jesus does what only he can do, right? He meets this woman at the point of her need. And then the scripture says this, that she ran back into town. And she began to tell everyone, come and see this man who's told me everything about myself. Right? He exposed the need in her soul. He laid bare the lies that she had believed. He opened those things. And in only the way that Jesus can, he brought healing to her. He offered living water. The life that only He can give. And that is why we are here today. There are some of you in this room right now and you have lived that same experience. You know what it means to feel the brokenness and the disappointment of placing your faith in a God who cannot deliver. And maybe you've gone from relationship to relationship to relationship or maybe you've been languishing in a broken relationship for a long time and you are filled with bitterness because you have unmet expectations. And God is here today. And He's saying, come, all you who are thirsty, Come and drink. Drink of the water of life. He's calling you to, to fully fall upon His grace and His mercy. To turn away from the lies that have stolen from you and to face 
the glory and the goodness of a God who saves, of a lover who can complete you. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 says, Look with wonder. Look with wonder at the depth of the Father's marvelous love that He has lavished on us. He has called us and made us His very own. That's God's heart for us. That's God's heart for you today. You would let Him make you His very own, His beloved. And that you would put your trust fully in Him. And that the lives of the world would be exposed for what they are. That they are empty, hollow promises that can never meet the deepest longing of your soul. But Jesus can. And He wants to today. He loves you with an unending love. In fact, we look at the cross and we see the ultimate expression of God's love, right? Jesus, in his love for us, laid himself down, poured himself out to the very last so that we might have life, so that we might be saved, so that we might be forgiven so that the deepest longings of our soul that our brokenness and our hurt could be healed and that's available for you today can you bow your heads with me Holy Spirit, do your work. God, I've done my best to preach the truth of who you are, to expose the lies of the enemy and proclaim the glory of Jesus. But Lord, my words can't save anybody. You and you alone can do that. And so we pray that you would do your work right now. I know, God, I believe that you are calling people to you. I pray that they would turn their eyes on your glory and your goodness. They would see your beauty. And they would say, today I am yours, Jesus. Today I am yours. In Jesus' name. Keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a minute. I won't keep us very much longer, but I want to give you an opportunity. If you're here today and you say, Todd, that's, that's me today. I've believed a lie. And I've put my faith in places and in things that have only come up empty. 
and I need Jesus. I want to give my life to God today. If that's you, would you raise your hand right where you're at? I'm not going to call you to the front or try to embarrass you. Thank you up in the balcony. Thank you over here on my right. Thank you over on the left, up in the balcony. Thank you. See you up in the balcony. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you here in the front. Thank you. Here's what I'd like us to do. I want everyone in the room to pray this prayer along with those who just raised their hands. Say, dear Jesus, today my life is yours. Everything that I have and everything that I am, I entrust to you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me today. Thank you for forgiving my sin. And I thank you that what you did on the cross is enough to satisfy the deepest need of my soul. I trust you today. And from this day forward, I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. The scriptures say that when one person comes to Christ, when one person comes to repentance, that all of heaven rejoices. And so if you raised your hand and maybe you prayed that prayer for the very first time today, I want you to know that there's a party happening in heaven because you responded to the voice of God and said, Jesus, my life belongs to you. That's awesome. I want you to do me a favor. If, if that was you today and you prayed that prayer maybe for the first time, there's a card in the seat back in front of you. If you would take that and fill that out uh, and, and then just drop it in the box, uh, in the offering box on your way out. We want to just be able to connect with you, help you know uh, what the next step is in your journey with Christ, talk to you about the significance of the decision that you've made and what that means. Um, or maybe you're watching online and you prayed along with us maybe today for the first time. If you would text the word salvation to the number 555-888, we want to connect with you as well. And if you're here locally, we'd love to get you connected to the Summit Church. If you're not, we want to get you connected to a life-giving church in your area. So please give us the honor of of being a part of God, that journey in your life and what God's doing in your life. Um, here's what's going to happen now. I'm going to pray a final prayer uh, of blessing. After that prayer, uh, you can be dismissed if you are ready to go today. But also, while I pray, the prayer team is going to come forward. Um, they're going to be here at the front of the room. And they'll be available to pray with you if you have a need that you'd like for them to pray with you about, whatever that need may be. But I want to invite you especially... Maybe, maybe you're already a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus, but you went into relationship or you've been in relationships and you still have believed this lie and, and you're still experiencing some of that pain and some of that brokenness. Maybe you're a married couple and you need someone to agree and pray with you that God would help to heal the brokenness that's there. That you've, Maybe you've lived with that for a long time. I want you to know that that's not God's intent for you. And so, um, 
Scriptures say that we bear each other's burdens and in doing so fulfill the law of Christ. So these folks who are coming up here, our prayer team, would, that would be their honor to agree with you and to pray with you that God would continue and accomplish the work that he's doing in your life. All right, so let me pray over us and then we'll go. God, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the work that you do in us to expose the lie, to bring us into the truth. Thank you that you are healing us that you have saved and that you are saving. And that we know today what it means to drink deep of the water of life and to not thirst. We honor you today, Jesus. You and you alone are worthy of praise. God, I pray your blessing on on this body today, on these people. I pray, God, that as we go, we would carry your grace with us, the good news that you save and that you love and that you forgive. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us. In your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. I love you. Have an incredible day. And uh, go Chiefs.